Welcome to Transformation. I'm Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network, and I'm your host for this podcast series. This project is a partnership between the Red River Farm Network, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and numerous stakeholders throughout our region. Folks like the North Dakota Soybean Council, North Dakota Farmers Union, and Minnesota Corn Growers Association. With Transformation, we're discussing the issues of farm stress and mental health. Our guest today, Mackenzie Darling, who is an elementary school teacher in Langdon, North Dakota, with a background in agriculture, and she has her own experiences with these issues. Mackenzie, to begin with, the can you can you tell us about your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my story, I guess, as I'm 26 years old, 26 years old right now, but I, when I was a junior in high school, um, was hospitalized myself for suicidal ideation. And a year before I was taken into the hospital, I had lost my cousin to suicide. And so from then, um, ever since I've come out, I've really wanted to restore hope in those who may be feeling the same way. And so I've taken it upon myself to educate myself and now um, kind of made a passion project out of going out and speaking um, about what what are the warning signs of suicide or mental health and what sources of strength or what types of things can we do and practical steps can we take to help avoid getting to that point. And then also just educating families, trying to restore hope in those who are feeling hopeless and just trying to break down that wall of stigma there is surrounding mental health and suicide prevention and just making it not normal to feel that way, but n- normal to talk about. So that's that's my hope and that's what I keep pushing to do. I think you're right. In in most cases, when we think about depression or anxiety or, or, or mental health as a whole, it, it's subjects people don't typically want to talk about. How, how do we make that more open, that, that it can be part of the conversation? Yeah, I think it's, so like I said, I'm a kindergarten teacher. And so I think just starting to talk about it at a young age will help it feel more comfortable to do it because vulnerability is not a fun place to necessarily be, especially, you know, I'm engaged to a farmer. So you know, if I ask him how his day went, he typically tells me what he got done in a day, not how he's feeling about it. And that's fine. That's just different communications and different ways that we're wired. But when I teach kindergarten or when I taught third grade and um, beyond that, I typically talk about how they feel in correlation with colors. So I use a curriculum called Zones of Regulation. But also, if you've watched the movie Inside Out, it's super easy just to connect emotions to colors. And so I think talking about it from a young age, this next generation coming up, is going to be a lot more comfortable talking about how they feel, even if it's based on colors, just kind of like, well, I'm anxious or I'm irritated. Something as short as that at least gives somebody an idea of how they are feeling and then they can take the next step from there. But beyond that, I can't just look at a person and know how they're feeling unless their arms are crossed and they're pouting, then I can tell. Other than that, it's a blank slate and it's anybody's guess. I'm thinking of my farmers that are are looking at uh, struggling to put a crop in or or bring it out or or dealing with the weather or the market or all those kind of things. A lot of anxiousness, a lot of stress Mm -hmm. with those kind of situations. Does that spill over to the rest of the family, to the kids in particular? Absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a farmer's daughter and I'm also a farmer fiance. And so what I find interesting, um, and, and kind of we were visiting about this earlier, but the warning signs of suicide and just the typical functionality of a farmer look the same. So, you know, if a part breaks, of course you're going to be agitated. Nobody is like, oh, 
you know, my plow just broke, it's fine. So of course you're going to be agitated, but yet that's a sign connected to suicide. And if you can't get the crop in due to the weather not permitting or cooperating with you, of course that's going to cause anxiety. In the harvest season, of course you're not going to get enough sleep or you're going to, you know, oversleep if it's snowing outside and your, your crop just got frosted out or if it just hailed out your Christmas. So what I think is interesting about farmers particularly is that a lot of the warning signs with mental health are connected to just your day-to-day -day functions. And recognizing how to separate that, I think, is the first thing for families is, are they upset because of what's going on in the crops or are they, is this a deeper purpose? And then also farmers being able to recognize, I just took out all of my anger on my crops or the weather on my wife. Now my wife is upset and is taking it out on the kids and recognizing that these, these do have ripple effects. And again, being a teacher, it is easy to tell in my classroom who are farmers' kids who don't get to see their dads as much during harvest and spraying season um, as maybe they do in the summertime or in the wintertime because there is that separation anxiety that can spill over into the classroom and into the public. And it's, it's easy to pick up on, especially in a rural area. But when you're from the Midwest, you know, we're all about family orientation. And so especially if somebody's struggling with mental health, uh, the family's gonna suffer too. I think it's so interesting you talk about uh, how these signs are, are, are a reality in, in agriculture. I, I also think about just that, that the way we isolate ourselves in, in, uh, in farming, uh, just in agriculture. It's part of a, maybe that it's a man thing, but it's that independence <laughs> where we, we maybe isolate ourselves. But, but certainly you, you got to see that as well when we're, we're dealing with some of these challenges. Absolutely. So isolation is one of the top top leading symptoms, but also if you guys are in the tractor or if you're hauling grain, you're not going to be at a social gathering because if you don't haul that grain in, we don't get Christmas. So of course it's got to get hauled in, but what I find interesting is as I'm working on a mental health association um, with Farmers Union is we are really trying to train um, people who are working in elevators and insurance agents and people who work with farmers on a day-to-day -day basis to kind of recognize these signs at a deeper level because, like we said, not only are um, farmers mostly men they, and don't want to talk about their emotions, they're usually so busy that they can't. And so how do we train people who do interact with them to recognize it at a deeper level? You know, I was telling you earlier, I don't know the last time... Um, you were at a tractor, but when I ride with my stepdad and my grandpa, they don't like to have a long-winded conversation over the intercoms. They will usually just grunt and know what that means and where to meet. So um, it is more difficult to definitely recognize the science when it is just a part of your career. You yourself shared so much of your story in a in a Facebook campaign. Tell me about this. Yeah, I have. So me, myself, I've lost three personal family members or very close friends, such as um, a, a classmate of mine to suicide um, and also I've been hospitalized myself and so I started this 100 reasons why campaign about two years ago and it was every single day I got on Facebook and I either did a Facebook live video or I shared one specific reason why I chose to stay in the world that day um, and I closed out the campaign with a really it seemed like an algorithm like a an strategic algorithm, I'll say, on why I chose to stay a part of the world that day. But the whole purpose was that, to that, was that I had just lost a very close friend to suicide. And it gave me hope just to do that. Generosity is one of my sources of strength. So if I can do anything to help someone else um, feel restored in their hope tank, I'm going to try to do that. So 
I didn't realize how large of a commitment 100 days would be <laughs> when I started. I just kind of started it and picked the number 100 because how many times do we throw that number around in a day? Oh, it was $100 or, oh, there's 100 reasons to do this or a million reasons to do that. So I picked 100 um, and I stuck to it. I, I finished it out and I actually had a friend who... Um, jumped on board with me because I did welcome the campaign to others who would do it alongside me. And there was my friend Katie who messaged me every single day for her 100 days and she started two weeks after me. So after I finished my 100, I was finishing encouraging her through her 100. And it was an experience that brought us closer. But every day I got on there and whether I was taking my hair out or I was getting ready for bed, I made sure that I got on um, and showed my followers that I was choosing to be a part of the world today. I was choosing life today and not to die. And then I had a specific reason, whether it was for my family or for a specific friend or to bring hope or I, whatever the reason might be. You can find them all on my Facebook page. Um, they're about two years old, but they still get quite a, quite a few views. And I didn't expect the response that I did when I started. It was more so for me, but the ripple effect of that has been outstanding. It's It's amazing when you get that feedback of, you're having an impact. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't always expect it and you don't even necessarily mean to. You just mean to be a human just to help one or two people. And that's all it takes. You know, if I can help one person, I've always said that. But when it does help more than that, the the emotion that you feel from that is just like a boost of encouragement yourself. You're encouraging them, but by them listening and giving you feedback, it's more so encouraging you. So it's kind of like a game of ping pong. <laughs> Mackenzie, we talk about warning signs. How do you differentiate from somebody that's having a bad day? Maybe it's that broken down tractor versus somebody that's that's really having uh, um, depression or, or really some anxiety issues. Yeah, that is a great question, actually, because how many times do farmers have bad days? And we all do, you know. So I think that's important in working with my brother who is working on the farm with my parents as well. That is something... Um, that I think needs to be observed on a consecutive day basis. So if this person particularly is dealing with rage every single day for two weeks straight and the weather's great, crops are going in, things are getting done, and they're still feeling this um, uneasiness and this rage and this anxiety and they're just overall aggressive, that might be a time to sit them down, look them in the eye and just say, hey, what's going on? And nothing, you know, sometimes you'll get that response and just be like, well, I'm seeing this and I just really want to know. And so I think if it's happening more than one day in a row and maybe more than two days, depending on weather or what's going on, if it's happening more consecutively, there's probably something deeper lying in there. But I would not say that one bad day means someone has bipolar or depression. And I think sometimes it can be overlabeled. You know, it, the stats are high. One in four people deal with mental health concerns in one way or another. But I think we need to be really cautious to not be over-labeling people just because they had a bad day. Do we have do we have to be willing to ask the tough questions though? If we if we do see a, a pattern, yeah, absolutely. Um, me myself, I definitely have had to grow a backbone with my family in order to ask those tough questions, especially being somebody who's promoting and encouraging other people to be that person. But I won't lie; it's still scary when I have to do it. So I take a couple deep breaths. And I get ready to take some heat. So I sit down. Um, I actually had to have a conversation with somebody that I loved not too long ago. Sit down, ask him what's going on, ask again, say it in a different way, but primarily ask again. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, I got, I got yelled at. Okay. And it's not obviously an outcome that you want, but if 
ultimately, if me getting yelled at meant that their life was saved and it meant that they were starting to let their wheels turn and think about if something's going on, then I'm willing to take the heat for that if it means I get to keep them alive for at least another day or another year, whatever that looks like. You know, I can't be a superhero. I'm not wearing a cape, but I can ask tough questions. That's a superpower I have. Just having that ability to, to have that conversation, asking somebody how they are that day can go a long way. Yeah. And it's, it's not always fun, not a, especially if you know the answer, if you know from their body posture or from how they're talking that they're kind of crabby and it's been this way for a while. You can expect that their answer probably won't be very fluffy, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't ask. Again, I look at farming and so many times, we mentioned it earlier, are things that are, that are beyond our control. Uh, what's your recommendation when we're in that situation and, and we're, we feel like we're not in control, that we can't handle what we're dealing with right now? Yeah, gosh, that's such a good question and a hard one that, um, you know, ultimately with farming, you can't control the rain and you can't control if it's going to hail and you can't control if someone accidentally oversprayed your crops or sprayed their crop next to yours on a windy day and now your canola is dead because it wasn't ready for Roundup. That is actually out of your control. And so it's okay to feel upset about it you're going to it's it's your hard work sweat and tears that went into it um and also hard-earned money but i also would just say be willing to talk to someone about it whether it be another guy who farms one of your best friends maybe who's a farmer and whether you're just going to vent or you just need to get it out of your system so you need to go do something for yourself or it doesn't have to be a long time either maybe you just need to hit a punching bag for 15 minutes but to do something to get that that feeling of being upset, whether it's anger or sadness, whatever it mean, um, whatever it be, I've seen it most likely be anger when those things happen. Get that anger out of your system somewhere so that you can refill, go back to being ready to go, jump back in the tractor or whatever you're about to do and go back to working hard and grinding. Um, so I just, finding a way to get it out of your system that works for you and that's going to be different for everybody. Do you find that there's some, are there some resources people can look for, find the winding signs, those kind of things that you have some suggestions there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I used to be on the Tears Committee with Altru and Tears um, is actually a nonprofit associated with Altru. It actually stands for Together We Educate About the Realities of Suicide. The founder, one of the co-founders of Tears lost her son to suicide um, and now they go around and they educate people on what are the warning signs? And they're all listed on Altru's website. So, you know, aggression and people visiting to say goodbye to people, those types of things. But if you look on their website, they have warning signs. They have what's what are the things you could be listening for? What are they saying? So they have it broken down into talk, behavior, what they can do to get better. Um, and it's broken down into those areas. And you know, if you look on that website, you could probably break down and figure out if it's you that are struggling or you maybe know somebody who is and you could get a good depiction of that. And then also you could just always call someone um, at Altru or the suicide hotline and just say, hey, I know someone, they're dealing with this, this and this, you know, what do I do now? And the suicide hotline is always open um, and they're willing to talk to not only people who are suicidal, but people who are maybe trying to prevent someone from taking a life. What a, how do you... You've got your own personal story, and then you you've gone on into the speaking <laughs> circuit on this. You've you've been sharing this in online, Facebook, those kind of things. What a what a change, obviously, from one to the another. I would think. Absolutely, yeah. I never, you know, when I was really little, I always knew I wanted to be a public speaker. Um, but as I grew up, I kind of lost lost hope in that dream because I had no 
I had no clue what I was going to share about. And then it kind of fell into my lap here in Red River. Um, it was a, a high school counselor asked me if I would come to the high school and share my story before I spoke at the All True Gala. And I said yes. And from then, I've been able to move on and educate. And like I said, it's kind of like a passion project because teaching is where I'm at. And then now I'm doing speaking on the side, which is absolutely fine because I've had a lot of moms reach out. Honestly, it's been a lot of moms and dads who have reached out to me and said that their, their student primarily was considering suicide and has now changed their, their heart. And it, every time I get a message like that, I get goosebumps and I've cried a few times. Um, but it's been really powerful. And I'm on, you know, Ryan and I, my fiance and I, we're working on getting my book published by the end of next year, which has got a lot of these steps in it for people who maybe can't hear me speak and are, or just relate better with, with words. They can work through a book. It's got journaling pages and whatnot included in it, practical steps to take. Um, so it's been a completely different route than I ever thought my life would go, but it has been really powerful. Boy, you're on the right path. It's, uh, it's what, a, what a great mission that you're on here, and I, I'm, re I'm looking forward to reading your book. Yes, thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic. Any final thoughts you want to make sure we share? Uh, yeah, I just want people to know that there are resources out there, I guess. You know, Farmers Union is working on getting people in the agriculture field more educated. We have an association building there. Transformation is doing an amazing job here at Red River uh, Farm Network. And I just know that we're, we're just looking to help you guys out. So if there's ever any concerns, just make sure that you contact somebody, whatever network you're closest to, and let us know what's going on so that we can help you stay healthy and be the best you that you can be. Well, our special thanks to Mackenzie Darling for taking such an active role in this conversation about suicide and depression and for sharing that with us today. Don't forget, help is always available through the free confidential Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline. It's available 24-7. All calls are answered by trained staff and volunteers. The helpline number 1-833-600-2670. You can also visit minnesotafarmstress.com. Links are also available on the Red River Farm Network website, rrfn.com forward slash transformation. Transformation, it's a partnership between the Red River Farm Network with the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and the project is funded by the National Institute of Health, the Great Plains Center for Agricultural Health, and numerous stakeholders. They would include the Minnesota Soybean Growers Association, Minnesota Farmers Union, Prairie St. John's, North Dakota Corn Growers Association, and many others. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.